Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping we're finding you in terrific form uh, today. That lovely, mild weather that we've been experiencing for most of uh, November. I mean, people everywhere you go, people have been saying, isn't it wonderfully mild, unseasonably mild for this time of year? Well, it looks like it's behind us uh, because normal winter weather is uh, set uh, to, normal winter weather service is set to uh, resume as we head into this week by Wednesday. Uh, Temperatures could be as low as five degrees, which is going to make it feel quite chilly indeed. Uh, Today, eight to ten degrees and then breezy and cold tomorrow into tomorrow night with some scattered showers and then midweek, this kind of very cold uh, snap. There will be some hail about, um, but uh, the temperatures are due to be around three to four degrees lower than normal for this time of year. And the fresh easterly and gusterly winds will make it feel even cooler. So there'll be a wind chill going with it. Uh, tomorrow, temperatures seven to eight. So like, well, there are about eight to ten today. They're dropping slowly, slowly, slowly across the week. So the winter woolies, folks, if you didn't have them out already, then uh, I suggest you dust them down and uh, get them ready. Now, we are going to give away tickets to the pantomime today. And indeed, this is happening across every day this week. We have a daily prize of a family pass for four people to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman. Now, our tickets are for Thursday, the 13th of of, uh, December. We're also throwing in a €50 voucher for Son of a Bun. And the night of Thursday... December 13th is the night you really want to win tickets to the Everyman because it kicks off with a VIP reception at six o'clock with face painters, magicians. There'll be selection boxes uh, for the uh, kiddies and it's just a wonderful night. Anyone who's won tickets in the past before for this special night where we take over, the Everyman will know it is a terrific night out. Later on in the programme, I will give you a cue to call. It will contain a pantomime question. They are very easy pantomime questions. You you couldn't have any problem at all uh, getting the answer to it and we'll let you know how you can contact us and how you can be the lucky caller or texter um, but we're giving those that particular family pass prize away every day this week thanks to our good friends at the Everyman if you'd like more information about the pantomime this week you can check it all out at uh, info at uh, everymancork.com and actually we were only talking about the pantomime and, and Cinderella on Friday on the programme when young Molly Ward who is a dancer from Mallow 
who is based in London and she auditioned and got a part in the John Lewis Christmas ad and we were talking about the Christmas ad launch last week and we were talking about seeing Molly on it and, and she joined us from rehearsals. She's back home she's going to be taking part in Cinderella uh, this year so we've been already talking about it and then every day this week now we're giving away those family passes so make sure you're tuned uh, for that so Christmas very much on the minds of a lot of people and Joan from Boston said Patricia I was in the city uh, yesterday Sunday for the turning on of the lights and it was a great evening but oh no here we go what was wrong I was disappointed says Joan I thought there'd be Christmas stalls on the street and I could see all and I could see was people I had to say I know what sorry I've, I've missed the end of that anyway uh, I did enjoy the switching on the, lo- the lights says uh, Joan from Butterman but disappointed that there wasn't Christmas stalls uh, and I don't know when you talk about the Christmas stalls are you talking about the wonderful event that is Glow that happens every year uh, it's on the Grand Parade and will be happening again this year but with Glow Glow happens closer to Christmas the Christmas lights are on well on by the time Glow and I know we're involved with Glow as media partners here at uh, C103 and actually we be we did it last year and we're doing it again this year the week sort of the Christmas week almost because the Thursday before Christmas Day uh, we're going to be bringing the show and broadcasting it live from Glow and it's always a lovely festive feel about the city so maybe that's what you're talking about uh, Joan if it is that never happens until close to the day they get the Christmas lights on earlier always but it's always uh, closer to the actual closer to Christmas when Glow and all the wonderful stalls uh, will be out and uh, people will be able to get into that festive uh, spirit and for me festive I always know Christmas is upon us when I'm a celebrity get me out of here appears on the television and that was on last night and I was talking with Simon on the breakfast show about the opening uh, show last night it really does look like it's going to be fun and I mentioned Nick Knowles of DIY SOS big fan of Nick Knowles big fan of that programme and he came across so well last night and the listener says eyes off Nick Patricia he's mine I've admired him from afar for years as you say he always comes across as such a warm caring guy just what I need love you love the show says the texter thank you for that I think he is going to do remarkably well and when we're talking of nice guys and talented guys I was in the car yesterday afternoon when I heard the very very sad news that the voice of Kerry Football has passed away and I speak of course of the great Weeshy Fogarty who died yesterday at the age of 77 and it was one of those moments where I was in the car and I parked up and I stayed in the car listening to people talking about uh, Weeshy Fogarty and I just thought my God you know that word legend is bandied about uh, so much but he really really was a GAA legend and he had joined us here on the programme many times we would have spoken to him in the run up to a Munster final or in the run up to an All-Ireland final where Kerry was involved and he just was such a knowledgeable man when it came to GAA and it seems a knowledgeable man when it came to a variety of different sports but he was just he used to eat and breathe 
Kerry football and had a love and a passion for Kerry football and that came across in all of his broadcasts. He's just such a colourful way of doing broadcasts and I know we've put a call through to our own Paddy Palmer who would be in a similar vein to uh, Wishy Fogarty and Paddy's going to be joining us after 11 with his memories of uh, Wishy Fogarty but the radio world is a sadder, darker place without uh, Wishy Fogarty and we extend our deepest, deepest sympathies to his wife Joan, son Kieran, and his daughters Denise and Carol Ann and all of his extended family and uh, friends and indeed his family in Radio Kerry who I imagine are suffering today and Radio Kerry is a sad, sad place today and we're all, the world is a, a little bit... Um, Darker, as I say, without uh, Wishy Fogarty, may he rest in peace. And uh, we will remember him later on on the programme. Now, coming up also on the programme uh, today, we're going to be speaking with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. St. Vincent de Paul really come into their own at this time of year. And I always think of families with young children who are struggling at this time. And that's where Vincent de Paul will help out. Now, it can be difficult for so many families to pick up the phone and make that call for help. But pride really is is a difficult thing to overcome. And I, for families who've never had to struggle before, maybe, you know, something happened during the year, there was a, a bereavement, there was somebody lost their job. Uh, something happened that was unexpected and people went from never having to worry about Christmas to suddenly having to worry about Christmas. And Vincent de Paul and the work of Vincent de Paul was something that they never thought that they would ever have to come to their doorstep. And if you are in a situation like that or you know of a family they're in a situation like that, please reach out to Vincent de Paul. They do the most amazing work and they do it quietly and with great anonymity and nobody will ever know that Vincent de Paul are calling around to you or have called around uh, to you. But you need to pick up the phone you need to reach out to say that you do need help and of course the only way that Sir Vincent de Paul can do the work that they do is by the rest of us helping out and doing what we can do to make sure that they have the resources available to help those that really need help at Christmas so we'll talk about that on the programme today Home economics and should home economics be made a compulsory subject we spoke about this on the programme earlier, I think it was around May, it was early in the summertime, when it was a suggestion being mooted by home economics teachers who felt, look, this could be a really, really good idea. We have a rising obesity problem uh, in this country. And when it comes to our children, we have more and more children who are overweight. And of course, if you are overweight as a child into teenage years, we know the statistics are there. You will be overweight into adulthood. And for many of those young people, they simply don't know what they should and shouldn't be eating. So if we make home economics a compulsory subject and teach children, teach young people that what 12, 13, 14 year olds, the age group that they are in first year, second year and third year, teach them the basics, uh, show them how to cook basic meals. So when they go out into the big bad world, they won't have to be relying on the local chipper down the road. They won't have to be relying on the the, the, the takeaway pizza or the, the frozen pizza that you just pop into the oven. Oh, hey, presto, 20 minutes later, there's your dinner. That you may be able to, to teach them how to turn around a quick, nutritious meal 
in the same amount of time that it will take to heat up that pizza inside in the oven. And they're the kind of skills you learn in a home economics class. So it looks like an Oroctus committee have listened to the home economics teacher and listened to experts and think, yeah, this is a good idea. This is what we should be doing. We should be making home economics a compulsory subject. So we'll chat about that. The Get Up and Go Diaries for 2019. If you're prepping for Christmas, it means you're probably prepping for uh, the new year. That's only around the corner. And the Get Up and Go Diaries, they are, if, you, if you've ever had one, bought one, get, got one as a present, gave one as a present, you will know how wonderful these diaries are. They're just full of inspirational uh, quotes and quotes to make you think about things and they're humorous quotes and quotes that will make you smile. They really are lovely. They're back on the market again. Uh, we'll take a look at what's available for next year's uh, 2019 diaries. Bernardo's are joining us. They are looking for baby volunteers haven't come across this before. It's an empathy programme that they run where they go into schools, but they need a parent along with a baby to go into the schools and we'll find out more uh, about it uh, today. And Annalise Drussell will join us as she does every Monday from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic um, with some nutritional advice. So a lot to get to as always. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We've had an email into the programme from someone who doesn't want to name her out, which is fine. We will just call her a distressed mother. And you'll know why she was distressed when you hear what she had to say in her email. Hi, uh, Patricia. I know a similar incident to this happened in Blarney a few years ago, but the first time it's happened to us as a family. I took my children to the lovely playground facility in Lismire yesterday. And as my daughter was going over towards the seesaw, we noticed something on it. Someone had defecated on the seat of the seesaw and around it. Now I had noticed pieces of wet tissue on the ground here and there but really didn't take much notice of them. I was wondering is this some kind of sick trend? It couldn't have been a dog or another animal due to the height of the seesaw. My daughter has autism and didn't understand what it was. She got it on her hands before we could get to her and then she rubbed her hands on her trousers. We had to take off her trousers and put them in the bin and leave immediately. It was very distressing for her and ourselves as we don't know what any of us had touched throughout the playground. We all had to go straight home and the kids immediately had to be put in the bath. We usually go for a lollipop on the way home for my daughter, but obviously we couldn't stop as we weren't sure if our hands were clean. I had to clean down the steering wheel, the gear stick in the car as I was so revolted over what had happened. Really like, who does something like this? Is it youngsters loitering doing the fool? Or is it somebody who goes out of their way to do it? Now, I have reported it to the council and even though I know they'll probably send in the specialist cleaners and they'll bring them in, I don't think I'll ever go back there again. Thanks and very best regards, uh, a distressed mother. What a horrible, horrible thing uh, to have happened. And yesterday was such a lovely day. And, you know, it was one of those lovely winter days and there was that mildness about it as well. So there was lots of people out and about and a lovely thing to do to bring all the children out into the playground, let them run around, burn off some of the some of the um, some of their energy. But to be faced with that, a big and 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 
thank you to this mum. She sent on a photograph and you can see it's a big load of poo sitting up on top of the seesaw. I mean, I was looking at it thinking, OK, and then somebody with tissues. So obviously somebody cleaned off their own rear end or hand or whatever. I don't I just I can't understand it. I mean, I was thinking then, OK, let's try and see. Could it have just been an accident? I mean, we all know when you're toilet training children, children can have accidents. Now, if they if they would have an accident sitting on a seesaw, maybe they would. But even if it was that, even if it was the case that you had a toddler that you were toilet training and the little guy or the little girl had an accident, you would clean it up. You certainly wouldn't leave it sitting on the seat of a seesaw and then move on, knowing that it's a seesaw that small children are going to use and the next child coming along. And then for this little girl, bless her heart with autism, not to have understood what it was and to put her hand into the middle of it and then all over her clothes. And, and then the mother is right. You're, you're, you're straight away thinking, God, we touched everything else. Was the person who did that, were they touching? Did they put their hands on something? Are their feces all over the swing? Was it on the gate when we were coming in? I mean, I would, I would have done exactly the same thing, bundled everybody into the car and then straight home and almost fumigating the, uh, the car. And, and you're right, the council will send in specialist cleaners and it's shameful that the council, again, have to even go to the cost of doing that and the cleaners have to go in there and clean up someone else's disgusting mess. I mean, that really is absolutely disgusting. It's, it's beyond belief. Anyway... Uh, we give it out to see has uh, I do remember the case in Blarney I do I also remember somebody else uh, a number of couple of years ago we we had a dad um, whose child came down the swing and it was only when they came to, when they, they took the child off the swing they noticed somebody had smeared poo all over the slide it was the slide not the swing all over the slide and when the little one didn't see it and when they came down the slide of course it went completely all over all their clothes I mean <sighs> If it is youngsters, you know, loitering, youngsters loitering around and, and messing, got a good kick up the rear end is what they is what they need is shameful. I mean, wasn't there a proposal by some of the council, some of the councillors were suggesting a proposal to put a ban on, was it 14 year olds, anybody over the age of 14 hanging around playgrounds? Because we've seen that we've heard about that from parents that when teenagers have nowhere to go and they'll hang around a playground and that can be a little bit intimidating for families who are going with small children and we've you know we would every now and again get a call in from somebody saying no I just took the children home teenagers were getting a bit loud and you know they were just messing amongst themselves and just made somebody feel a little bit uncomfortable and they went away and I know councillors certainly had at one stage looked for trying to see could they introduce some kind of a bylaw almost where unless you had a small child with you you were not allowed in a playground as an adult you could only go in if you had a child with you and they were trying to stop teenagers loitering around now I'm not saying that that's what happened here in this lovely playground in Lismire so I wonder and let's see if we can put it out to people in the Lismire area do you have a problem with with teenagers youngsters loitering around uh, the park has this ever happened before has anybody heard of it has anybody seen evidence of it happening before does anybody know what possibly could have happened in that particular uh, incident but it, it, it is just shocking an awful thing and I also can understand why even though it will be if not already done, will certainly be done today. The cleaners will be brought, brought in. I can also see why you wouldn't really want to go back to that particular 
park certainly not for a while anyway because you're you're straight away going to be looking at everything and monitoring everything to make sure that there isn't evidence that somebody has decided to smear poo all over the playground equip- equipment absolutely shocking. Now five weeks today is Christmas Eve and that for families on low incomes will put the fear of God into them especially if they have children. To discuss the work of the Society of St Vincent de Paul at this time of year I'm joined uh, by the wonderful Brendan Dempsey. Uh, good morning to you Brendan. Hello Patricia and you, good morning everybody. You are welcome to the programme. We're hearing of a national economic uh, improvement and we are near we're told uh, full employment. Is that reflected in the calls for help you're getting this year? No, look, we're getting about 1,000 calls a day at the moment asking for help. Um, It's actually slightly over 1,000 calls a day here in Cork. And I know that uh, throughout the country, last last winter, we looked after 50,000 families over the winter. Um, And it's the same old thing, it's... uh, they say there's a lot of jobs there, but the income is low income and poor quality jobs, you know, not good quality jobs. Yeah, so it isn't, it isn't yeah. just people on social welfare. I mean, I would have spoken many occasions with Father Sean Healy of Social Justice Ireland, who has been talking for quite a number of years about what he classes as the working poor. And that's what that's you're right. talking. These are people who do who go out to work every day. Yes, that's right. But, That's right. They're but the income isn't enough. and well educated, very well educated, third level education, you know, and and uh, just very poor quality jobs, low income. So when people see a family and see mammy and our daddy, maybe both, heading out every day to work and thinking, "Ah, they're fine." Yeah, it's not always not. the case. Yeah. No, it's not always the case. People can be really put to the pin of their collar, you know. And it's, it's a, housing is a big problem too. Rents are going up and, uh, you know, affordable housing is a huge problem with us. We're meeting it all the time. I, I know a few years ago when we were contacted here in the programme by a, a family who were putting everything into keeping the roof over their head. And right. and then when everything was paid for, there was little or nothing left. And we now and and we did we did eventually hook them up with the, your with um, their local uh, society of Vincent de Paul. But pride and 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 I even hate using the word, but it it stops some people looking for help, doesn't it? And and at times it isn't even pride. I remember in that particular case, you know, that couple saying, "Oh, Vincent de Paul are for." are for people on social welfare. It's not for us. We're out at work. Yeah, well, that's not the case. In fact, I would say that the big problem that we have at the moment are actually people who have jobs. They're working and they just are on such low wages and paying such high rents and so on that uh, they really can't afford to eat. It's that simple. It's, It's just... It's it's mind-boggling, really, when you think about it, you know? And you see, like, our our volunteers don't increase at Christmas. That's another problem that we have. Uh, It's the same number of volunteers, and we're running around in circles trying to keep up with calls coming in, and it's very difficult to do so, you know? 
We spoke last Friday about the number of people who turn to money lenders. Yeah. Is that something you were you were against? Yeah, we're that, constantly meeting. Yeah. We're constantly meeting the illegal money lenders. Even the legal money lenders are legal. <laughs> they're very high rates, but they're legal. But the illegal money lenders are charging hundreds of percent uh, interest. And it's and it's a trap that once you get into it, you never seem to get out of it. And they call to your door to collect your money. And are very, very aggressive. Very aggressive. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually had experience of it. I went to, the, to a house one night, it was a number of years back now, but two of us went uh, to be there when the money lender came. And he wasn't a bit upset at finding us there. He absolutely danced a jig on the door. Uh, you know, I, I was I was quite upset myself, never mind the poor lady who was trying to deal with him. And what you were there to say, can you, you know, back off, give her a chance or something? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We we were going to talk to him and try and help out and get because we do run schemes where we get people out from under, under money lenders and we introduce them to the credit union system yeah. and so on and we were there's a lot of things that we can do and but this guy absolutely the air turned blue and he danced a jig at the door and it was quite quite intimidating were you frightened were you frightened i actually was yeah. i actually was you know i I suppose I was in my late 60s at that time. Well, I, you mid-60s anyway. And there was a younger man with me. But, uh, yeah, we were. He, This guy was a big, bulky, strong man. And twas, it wasn't just that. It was the aggression, you know. You could sense the aggression in the man. And this guy was calling to that elderly woman's door every week. You know, she was a, a young woman, a young, a woman. young, a young woman with a family, and she oh my God. he was calling to her every week. Yeah, uh, but like we do have a problem all over the country with uh, illegal money lenders, and I, I don't understand why the authorities can't get, um, let's say, a, a lady policeman, a bangarda from up the country to come down and take out a loan and. Uh, catch them. Yeah. You know. I know, uh, I know, yeah, I do a, a sting operation and, and, yes, and set them I, up. I can't and you see, it. I think I think the the problem I think of trying to track these guys down is exactly the problem you faced with that young mother. The intimidation. People who are caught in that cycle of borrowing yeah. and it does become a cycle of borrowing are so intimidated by the people, by that bully yeah. who turns up to collect the money every Friday that they just hand it over. They're not going to... And not only that, Patricia, but they simply refuse to cooperate with the guardie and give evidence. And the guards can do nothing without evidence. Yeah, I can and understand so that though. Yeah, I, I understand it totally, and so my suggestion that the Gardaí... I know, do a sting, a, yeah. ...a plainclothes person in, you know. Yeah, do anyway, a sting. Anyway, that's that. Oh, and then uh, children, obviously. Do you put... The size of Vincent de Paul, you put children at the, the heart of your Christmas campaign, well, we I'm are, assuming. This year, we are in particular putting children at the heart of it because children uh, don't even know it sometimes, but they are suffering, you know. They're They're 
certainly doing without. And we're coming across families who are literally hungry. And and I've, I know I've told you before, and the listeners will probably sorry when I'm saying it again, but I remember going to a family, a granny was rearing a child. She was about eight years of age, and we put the box of food up on the table. It was 10 o'clock at night, on a Monday night, and put the box of food up on the table, and the little girl went rooting into the food, full of excitement, and she said, Granny, Granny, will you make the porridge? At 10 o'clock at night. Because they were and, home, you know, yeah. She was hungry, the child was hungry, you know. And we're meeting people who are hungry. We're meeting it at the moment. And that's in Cork? That's not in some African in country? Cork. No, that's in yeah. Cork here, in Cork. Yes. And I was just mentioning when I was doing the weather forecast uh, for today, I was just talking about we've had a lovely mild, thank God. November's been nice and mild, but we're coming into a very cold snap this week. Yeah. Uh, temperatures even lower than what they, they, they should be. Fuel poverty is an issue, Brendan, still, isn't it? Of course it is. And like we're, at this, we're in a situation now, uh, Marion, where, uh, sorry, Patricia. You're okay. We're, we're in a situation now where. You know, we help people with coal and we usually give two bags a month. Somebody, I think they're getting around 600 euros for the 27 weeks of the winter for fuel. That's what's paid out by the space. And we supplement that with maybe two, one or two bags a month. But even of late, we're saying to people, if you can afford it, would you put a fiver towards the bag of coal and we'll pay the rest because like our money is it's coming in it's rather steady it ha- our income actually from the church gate collections hasn't actually dropped which is amazing and but the number of people who are requesting help has multiplied mm-hmm. and we're try- we're trying to spread the money out as best we can that and as you mentioned uh, your volunteers who are the backbone of the Society of uh, St Vincent de Paul are you always looking for new volunteers is it hard oh, to, yeah yeah, yeah, is yeah it, we are I mean we have the same number of volunteers and we're getting older I'm at like I'm 73 no and there's people much older than me and have been in the society longer than me and we need we need new blood we do and we need volunteers for our shops and and all everything that we run, the hostels, you know. Yeah, it's hard uh, to keep going. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard at the moment. We really are stuck for volunteers. If anybody could give a few hours, they'd be very welcome, and they get training and everything, you know. Yeah, and because the, the shops, the shops are going well, aren't they? Well, yes. We, I mean, we we have we set up the. A recycling facility, uh, oh, about fifteen years ago or so, uh, to recycle clothing. Yeah, and we're making money out of that. And we now have in Cork, we have thirty-three shops in total. Wow. I think in Cork, wow. in Cork City and County, and we had a turnover. Uh, well, last year I don't have it for last year yet, but the year before we had a turnover of two point one millions for the year. Now, we had to pay a couple of lorry drivers for going around collecting and we have a manager in each shop and so on. But uh, the, the profits went directly into the number one account for food and education and what have you. The, you call it the number one account? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the, our number one account in Cork where any conference in the county is stuck for money from their, uh, they don't get enough from their local church gate collection. They can draw down on that, you know. All right, okay. All right, you're doing mighty work. Uh, long may it continue, uh, Brendan. And, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you on the programme just to remind people if you have a little bit extra uh, this year, please give, well, they, please donate. We, we've posted tickets for our uh, Christmas draw for a car to every house in the county and maybe people might put a few bob in with the tickets and send it back to us. Okay. All right, Thanks, uh, Brendan, Patricia. look after yourself. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, that is uh, Brendan Dempson. Dempsey. He's a fantastic man uh, for, with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Anna says the Vincent shops that are all over the city and uh, county, do they support the Society of Vincent de Paul if they have the logo over the shop and are they and they are paying staff to work in the shop? Well, as Brendan said, every one of their shops all over the city and county, they have a manager, obviously, to run the shop. Uh, the manager is paid and then all the rest. Uh, volunteers but yes there was a rebranding done a few years ago by the Societies of Vincent de Paul and they rebranded all their shops and just put it under the banner of Vincent's so yes all of those uh, charity shops and all of the, the you'll see the St Vincent de Paul and the Vincent's bins and you and you do know I see actually I, I, sp- I pass one most mornings going to work I don't know only this morning I saw the van coming in to collect the items out of the, the bins because when people donate to charity they're always afraid of and they always want to know that the items that they're donating are actually going to a charity shop I mean we found out and discovered a number of years ago that the crowd would go around door to door there's a commercial aspect uh, to that very little of that ends up going to charity and the same with a lot of the other bins a bin that will have a logo that might say you know supporting breast cancer or supporting children's charities you, you, when you dig down deep into those charities, they're commercial businesses that then give a very small percentage of their profit to the named charity. But when you give to any of the Societies of Vincent de Paul bins, you know that all of that is going into and uh, promoting the work of St Vincent de Paul. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, this is Nick Richards. It's that time of year again. And guess who's joining me on the afternoon show? Ho, ho, ho! I'm really looking forward to chatting to you all on C103. Santa Claus is here to take your calls as we count down to the big day. And he could be talking to you. Go to c103.ie and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a phone call from the big man himself. Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to your little ones with Nick Richards only on C103. Now, earlier this year, I spoke with the Association of Teachers of Home Economics who were urging the government to consider making the subject of home economics compulsory for all pupils up to junior certificate. Well, they were listened to because last week the Oireachtas Committee on Children and Youth Affairs has recommended just such an option. Maria Hickey is president of the Home Economics Teachers Association and uh, Maria joins me. Good morning to you, Maria. Hi, Patricia. Thank uh, you for having me. Well, you're welcome. You would, your uh, association addressed the Oireachtas Children's... Back in May. Com- back in May. What yes. did you say to them to forward your case for compulsory home economics? I suppose um, our biggest thing around home economics was that although um, a lot of food literacy skills are 
dealt with in many different subjects throughout the school's curriculum through SPHEP, you know, science, it's all kind of looked at slightly. Uh, home economics is the only subject at junior cycle level that has the skills-based element to it. Um, you know, if we if we teach them about it, yeah, they'll understand it and they'll know the theory of it, but home economics is a subject that will actually teach them how to implement it and how to actually carry out what they need to be able to do in order to have that healthy, you know, healthy balanced meals and healthy living in general. And, you know, home economics, although we talk about the food a lot, it also has all the consumer literacy, it looks at food labelling, it looks at budgeting, it's an all-round subject that gives them a chance just to have the skills for a full, healthy living life, um, you know, going forward. And that's what makes us different and why home economics has been now um, recommended to be compulsory because it's the one that catches everything. It takes the, the theory and the skill, which is the most important part. Because you And know, there is a practical element. Side. There is, yeah. like for the new junior cycle. So junior or home economics was reviewed at junior cycle level. So it's just been implemented now since September. So the current first years, when they get to their um, junior cycle exams, 50% of their marks will be for a cooking exam where somebody will actually come in and watch them do their cooking and they'll have practiced it. And wow. It'll be, be about healthy, balanced meals. And, you know, there's lots of different briefs that they have to um, they have to be able to, to cook to. So, you know, it, it's worth half of their marks at junior cycle levels. So it's a huge element to and it. A, and a skill they uh, will carry through with them, I for guarantee life. you, for the rest of their life. Most do you certainly. know, is home economics compulsory in other countries? Yeah, so Finland, Japan, South Korea... And um, I can't think of the fourth off the top of my head now, but they, they've had huge success in uh, Japan and Finland and in South Korea. They have very, very low obesity rates uh, in children, which I suppose is why why we went in and why we went at it from this point of view. Um, it's been ex- uh, Northern Ireland has compulsory home economics, oh. sorry, even closer to home. Mm. And we, I would imagine we will be um, looking at how they implemented this into their um, into their system because the government has recommended it on a phase basis. So it yeah, and it, it would have to be done on yeah. a phase basis, We won't it? be able to wake up in the morning and be like, okay, everybody's going to do yeah. it. It won't work like that. But, you know, um, Northern Ireland had a very good implementation and we will look to them for guidance and then we will look, I know St. Andrews College in Sligo, which is the home of home economics, um, will have a lot of input and, you know, they're very proactive in looking at how Number one, they're going to train more teachers. Number two, you know, how it's going to work. And they even have plans around, you know, how is it going to work from a resources point in, in the schools themselves. So, you know, we're very, very active, both the association and the college. You know, we're, we're with them the whole way up um, and we, we've been with it the whole way through this process. So we don't plan on backing out now. You know, so we hope to be very much involved in it as it goes forward. Do you have any idea on what percentage of schools currently offer it as a subject? Oh, not off the top of my head. Most schools have it. Um, the only ones that would definitely be kind of no would be kind of 95% of all boys' schools would Don't not have, have the resources. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are some boys' schools that use, we'll say, like a local girls' school's kitchen. You know, they have come to agreements and we have home economics teachers in all boys' schools who are working with what they have and they're doing really, really well with it. Yeah. Um, but... Um, most of the kind of general second level schools would then have some form of home economics okay. uh, right. running through it. Um, so. But it will require the training of more teachers in the subject. Yes, yeah. yes most certainly. And see, at the moment, we're in the, we're in the process of that. The numbers are about to go up. Okay. Um, you know, it, there was a move from a BA to um, a Bachelor of Arts and um, a PME. So we are moving. And uh, once the, these new cohorts come along, we'll, I think it's 112 or 120 I'm not 100% on that now, but around 112, 120, which is double what it would have been, we'll say, last uh, at the current rate. 
So we are, you know, the numbers are moving up. When I graduated 10 years ago, I suppose, at this stage, there was only 45 of us. So, you know, numbers have crept up nicely over the last number of years. And like I said, St Andrews has a plan for that going forward. So, What what um, prompted you at the time to become a home economics um, teacher? <laughs> what? Oh, God. It was my mum and my gran. You know, I cooked from when I could walk. Yeah. Um, it was just my love. And they always told me I love telling people what to do. So they thought it was a good idea <laughs> between the two. But I love it. I love it as a subject. You know, I've been doing it since myself when I started in secondary school. And it's just, it's a way of life for me. Absolutely. And I just think it's essential for everyone. So well it's been a love of mine for years now. Well done. And and so obviously thrilled when you heard that the recommendation oh, coming yes. from the Oireachtas Committee. Oh, it was like Christmas morning last Thursday. Actually, last Wednesday, I got a phone call um, from another radio station just to say, had you seen the article in the paper? I was like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so it was great. No, it's absolutely brilliant. And I actually went on for, on Thursday to see the report being launched. So it was fantastic. It was a great okay. day for us. Uh, and I know there's other recommendations, including yeah. stopping opening fast food outlets near near schools, yeah, which is long overdue. Yeah, machines as well. Um, and uh, availability of uh, drinking water. There's, um, there's 22 recommendations in total, I think. And each and every one of them is extremely important. Okay. You know, and there's been lots of people have fought, obviously, throughout all, all, of the, all the different sections. Um, for what they believe in and you know they really listened to us and um, Alan Farrell was the head of the committee but you know Anne Rabbis and Catherine Noon and uh, Tom Neville and Finton Warfield I think are the others that I've met you know they have been very very supportive and they've listened which is important you know and they've looked at it from a human point of view well you know, done, not well done. and now they've recommended it listen we yeah. leave it there Maria congratulations to everybody thank involved you, uh, bye, bye 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 that is uh, Maria Hickey with the Association of Teachers of Home Economics with the news that there's been a recommendation to make home economics our domestic science as it was called in my day some of the some people remember it as domestic science home economics now uh, good move would you agree with that 1850 3103 might help with obesity get teach young people show them what's the right things to cook and let them learn about a healthy balanced diet your thoughts welcomed you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed now, as we mentioned at the start of the programme, the voice of Kerry football, Wishy Fogarty, has died at the age of 77. The GAA legend died surrounded by his family at his home in Killarney yesterday. Paddy Palmer, our GA correspondent, uh, joins me to remember uh, Wishy Fogarty. Good morning to you, Paddy. And to you, Patricia. Uh, now, the radio world is sadder place uh, today with this news. Wishy was known the length and breadth of the country. Isn't that fair to say? Yeah, and uh, I suppose the most unusual gentleman in that he was officially a co-commentator in his early life with Radio Kerry. Normally the co-commentator may not be as well known as, as the commentator, but in this case, we she surpassed all of that. He was an incredible, personable individual, a wonderful personality, and a real likeable rogue, if you like. But um, he was also a hugely intelligent individual, and the way he was able to remember dates and remember names, and he does an encyclopedic knowledge of not alone Kerry football, but all things Kerry. And um, he was really appreciated by the local people because uh, I suppose it's like anything in life. Once a person is a sincere individual, listeners don't, you know, will 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 take to that. And he was popular the whole the length and breadth of the country. And, you know, local radio people are a kind of an unusual breed in their own right. And uh, but we, she was the prince of of all people that worked in that industry. And regardless where the match was, 
wish he was the guy that people wanted to talk to because he had wonderful stories and wonderful memories and a most entertaining character. And I suppose what people forget about him as well, he was a psychiatric nurse for 37 years. Yeah, that's, you know? the, that's the side that a lot of people maybe didn't even realise. Yeah, and uh, I mean, when he was in that hospital back in 1962, there was a thousand patients in St. Finian Hospital in Killarney. And um, like you said, it was, a, you know, it was a tough place to work and there were some real sad cases in there. And on a lot of occasions, when those patients passed away, we, she was the only person with them. And, you know, I've heard them talk a little bit about that from time to time, that he was the person that, you know, held their hand in their, in their final hours on this mm. planet because, you know, people were committed to those institutions back then it should never ever have happened. Have uh, happened. And, and they were forgotten about. They were forgotten about. And, and you know, a, an incredible story was telling one time that Fitzgerald Stadium was built by the patients from St. Finian's Hospital. Back in the time, there was a guy, Dr. Raymond O'Sullivan. He trained a Kerry T. He trained a Kerry to an eight all Ireland, the same as Bicot Wire. And in the 30s, occupational therapy became part of, I suppose, the life of psychiatric patients. And Dr. Raymond thought that you know, physical work would be, you know, very important for these patients. And they actually built this Charles Stadium, was built by the patients from St. Finian's Hospital, which is in, in itself an incredible story. But because St. Finian's Hospital overlooks Fitzgerald Stadium, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the most, you know, you've been in that place, it's the most picturesque venue in, in I suppose, on the planet, and that you're looking across at three steeples, you're looking across at, at the McGillicuddy Reeks, the Paps. Uh, mountains and all of those and uh, you know he was like we she was I suppose you know he was a person of the people for the people uh, he didn't take himself too seriously and you know it was 55 years of age when he became a radio personality and <laughs> you know he and and despite the fact that we're living maybe in different times we she Fogarty's present in Radio Kerry was was greatly appreciated and you know like I know for the past couple of years the fact past two years I suppose when when his health wasn't in the in the best and that he wasn't able to take part in programs he's greatly missed and I mean the, the amount of of tributes that he's been paid by that has been paid by all the, the clubs in Kerry because Terrace Talk which became synonymous with life in Kerry they went out into the local communities and they met local people and you know that, that that was a huge thing and, and, and all the tributes that have been pouring in like I mean he is the king of Kerry and it was interesting you talk about the, the, the commentary position in um, in uh, in Fitzgerald Stadium they have a commentary a press area there and I don't know maybe it was there for 15 years but I don't think there's ever any input in it and Wishy was asked about that one time and he said look maybe they should christen that the Mahalo Morahortic press box will right now maybe that the time has come that it would be called the Wishy Folk or the Press yeah. Box but that's for the good people of Kerry to Absolutely, to absolutely. Somebody has just phone, um, contacted us who is a friend of Wishy's um, has, to say that Wishy Fogarty was born in Ballow. He was. Oh, I didn't realise that. His father was, was, a, was a, a member of the Garda Chicana yeah. and uh, Wishy was born there. No, I'll tell you, he never made much noise. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard him jumping up on the rooftops about that. So was Marty Morrissey, by the way. There yeah, was a lot of, well, I knew that. There, yeah, I did, a lot of I, men and women bombing. Yeah, I, I did. I did and, and, you know, and while a lot of people are, are and I've heard it on other radio stations, the clip where we, she didn't know who Beyonce was. And uh, it and it's it's a funny piece in its own right. But I was thinking, right, while we, she Fogarty mightn't have known who Beyonce was, as you say, he had an encyclopedic knowledge when it came to anything to do with 
the GAA and Kerry GAA in particular? Yeah, uh, incredible. And maybe Beyonce knew who she was. But yeah. Door and bought her. But you see, he had this, he had this personality that um, maybe some people that live in Kerry and stay in Kerry, they would give you the impression at times that um, that they might be the sharpest and the smartest on the planet. Mm. And we she loved playing that card, and you know he had the real Kerry accent, and that at times kind of people might say, oh "My God, what does this fellow know?" But they were so he was such an unassuming guy. His knowledge of everything to do with Kerry, you know, he could trace back families and generations back to the thirties and and prior to that, and that's what made him the popular figure that he was. You know, he was endearing and great company, and he he loved he loved the work. I remember one day talking to him and. Uh, Something came up about the remuneration that operates in local radio. We won't go too far into it. And he says, uh, do you know what, lad? Well, he didn't kind of say, lad, no, that's what I'd be saying. Uh, he said, do you know what? We do this work for nothing. And and that's exactly, you know, it was a labour of love with him. And he didn't see this as work. He saw it as sheer enjoyment. And even though that he was born in Cork, um, he was a Killarney man through and through in his understanding of the town you know, made him a, a huge attraction for people that came in there. And if you wanted to go to tour of anything to do with Killarney, you know, what people may forget about him as well is that he was a Kerry minor under 21 and senior player. Won yeah, he, Ireland pl- Ireland yeah he played for club and, and county. He did. He won an All-Ireland medal in 1969. He won K- four East Kerry uh, Senior Football Championships medal with Kerry. He was with the Legion Club, which would be the lesser known of the two clubs in Killarney, with Dr. Crokes being, being the main club. He became an, a referee... He, an eye injury he did a detached retina and that curtailed his playing career but then he went hugely into administration and served the club in many a role from you know on the top table to being a coach in the team and he was he was an, um, an inter-county referee and, and ref to All-Ireland semi-finals somebody said he was the first ref to give a yellow card um, no whether that is the case or not but yeah he'd be you know, it's great that he's getting all these tributes because yeah, he was it's, a really it's wonderful. decent individual. And, and he had an amazing career which then ended really as a broadcaster which brought the game alive uh, in sitting rooms and, and kitchens uh, of thousands upon thousands of homes uh, not just in Kerry but thanks to the internet he went all over the world and people yeah, and, got and, to hear him. Okay. It was amazing how he, he was born Alphonsus I think was his name. Aloysius, Aloysius, right? Yeah. But he's the, one of the few guys in, in, in any industry that's known by his first name. Wishy. You know, Wishy. <laughs> and I don't know of any other Wishy. I have to say, <laughs> I've never came across another Wishy. And, we'll, and we certainly will never come across his, his kind again. Listen, uh, we, we, we remember him fondly and may he rest yes. in peace. Paddy, listen, thank you for that. And yeah, thanks uh, thank for joining you. us. Good morning to you. That is our own uh, Paddy Palmer, one of our own uh, GA correspondents, remembering Wishy Fogarty. And uh, indeed, I remember having many a uh, fun banter piece between uh, Weishi Fogarty and Pawdy on this programme. Once again as is, as we said earlier, our deepest, deepest sympathies to his wife Joan and the children, Kieran, Denise and Caroline and may Weishi Fogarty uh, may he rest in uh, peace. Okay, some uh, issues coming into the programme this morning. Eileen was on. Eileen wants to highlight a situation, I suppose a problem that she's having with the home helps that come to help Eileen. She lives in the city. She is not, she doesn't get the same home help person every day. So there's obviously a group of a panel of home help people who come to 
Eileen and she needs to be helped daily daily. and I don't know what her circumstances are but she's allocated an hour is it in the morning but a problem is the home helps can call some call at 7.30 in the morning some can call at 8.30 in the morning or she could be sitting there until 3 o'clock in the afternoon there is no set time she has reported it she's dealing with an agency so obviously an agency is contracting the work for the HSC so it's an agency she's dealing with and she said nothing ever happens and she's wondering is it just her? Is this isolated? Is it something that only happens in the city? Does it happen in the county? Has it happened to anybody else? And I suppose more importantly, can anybody advise Eileen on what to do? She is reporting the fact that the home helps are turning up at what seems to be all different random times. One half seven in the morning, could be half eight in the morning, it could be three o'clock in the afternoon. Seems very late if you were expecting somebody to call in the morning. Because I take it, Eileen, they're helping you get up in the morning. Is that what they're doing? If it is, that means you're stuck there until three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I'm not saying it's the home helps fault. They're obviously told by the agency where to go, who they're meant to be with at half seven in the morning, who they're meant to be with at half nine or whatever. So I'm assuming it's it's back to the agency. Now, is it, will the agency say, we don't have the staff and, you know, we're doing the best that we can. And if you're allocated a half an hour, an hour, whatever it is, we send the person as soon as somebody is available. Is that what they'll say back to us? And I don't have the details of the agency or anything from Eileen. And if I did try to contact them on Eileen's behalf, I would be told we don't deal with individual cases with the media or we only deal with the person themselves. Anyway, uh, Eileen just thought, worth a try, calling it out on the radio to see if anybody can advise her. Are the other thing I want to find out is how isolated is this? Is this something that's only happening to Eileen in the city? Is she just unlucky with either where she's living or the agencies she's dealing with? Or is it very common? And because of, we've heard of this before, people are afraid to complain in case you know, they're so appreciative that they have anybody call, coming into their house at any hour of the day that they're afraid of opening their mouths. And I would hate for that to be the reason but I have a sneaking feeling if it is more commonplace that that is probably one of the reasons why we're not hearing about it. So problems with home helps and the times that they call and Eileen saying she never knows from day to day who's going to be coming into her and what time they're going to be there at. Is that normal practice? 1850 We were speaking with Vincent de Paul and the working poor uh, very much got highlighted this morning in the run-up to Christmas. Dan and Balin Hasek ties in the Fianna Fáil Ardèche well it wasn't in Ardèche it was a conference anyway sorry I'm being pedantic there um, but it ties in something that was said there and it kind of ties in very much with what Brendan Dempsey of Vincent de Paul was saying Dan says listening to the comments from Fine Gael over the weekend about full employment and most people now are out working yes that might be true and the figures might back that up that there's less people signing on and more people out at work but Dan said the big problem are the type of jobs that people are getting. There are people on contracts, there are people on part-time contracts and they simply cannot plan a future life. They have no security with the particular contracts they're on and they have no job prospects. Uh, While everybody says the country is flying and, you know, it's the example that's been used is there are less people on the dole. Everybody's out of work. Isn't it great? You know, the country, great economic boost and all of that. 
Dan said it would be fine if everybody had proper jobs and proper wages, but that's not the case. Many of these people are on low incomes. So listening to Lear Varadkar on about a full workforce at the weekend, Dan annoyed Dan. He said, I think he's wrong. Some say... Some might be on the pig's back, says Dan in Ballinhasic, but sadly that's not reflected by everyone around the country. And a couple, thank you for that, Dan. And a couple of things that we are looking into, if I can find them here on text that came in earlier on, they just need, they require a little bit of sending off emails to see if we can get answers to it. Somebody was on to say, hi, I wonder why there are skips full of what looks like fine furniture being thrown out at Clonakilty Community Hospital while they are refer- the refurbishing work is going on at the wards. Surely the HSE should be actively promoting recycling and not dumping what looks like fine pieces of furniture into a skip. And we take it if it's in the back of a skip, then it's going straight for landfill. So we've sent an email off to the HSE to find out what is happening to the old furniture coming out of Clonakilty Community Hospital. I can tell you now in advance they'll probably come back and say that because it's come out of a hospital with bugs and all of that it couldn't be used for anybody else. But I can see the point it could not be broken down and at least the parts recycled because that's what we would be encouraging other people to do rather than send it straight into landfill. So we're waiting back on a response there. And someone else has asked me to congratulate the Mornabi ladies on a great win yesterday. But why, oh why, is the All-Ireland on Saturday evening at half past seven, wait for this, on December the 8th? Can you imagine trying to get in and out of Parnell Park, especially as it would be, it will be a huge shopping day in Dublin? Can anybody shed any light as to why it's Saturday this year when it's been Sunday? for the last few years. And then the listener says, maybe there's a men's club semi-final to be played on the Sunday. Great respect to the ladies there. And I'm quoting from the text. That's not my comment. I'm quoting from the text. So, texter. So what we've decided to do is we've decided to condense that text into an email and send it on to the powers that be at the GAA and find out why are they bringing the ladies up on a Saturday evening but of all Saturday evenings to go to Dublin but December the 8th I mean you know unless you love all that hustle and bustle Dublin is a place on December the 8th to be I would say personally avoided like the plague it will just be bedlam up there but I'm taken aback if it's normally on a Sunday why has it been transferred to a Saturday instead and particularly that Saturday. So we're, we, that's gone off and we're waiting on a reply back. So hang in there and hopefully we'll have a reply back before the close of the programme. And thank you to somebody who has sent me on a copy of a scam that's doing the rounds at the moment. Somebody got a text saying they'd won a hundred euro gift voucher and to redeem you have to click on the thing and then when you click on they're looking for your bank details. Is it a scam? Absolutely. 100%. It is a scam. When you get anything like that telling you you've won something and you haven't entered anything straight in into the bin with it or straight into the delete button on your text message service. We were talking about home economics and making home economics a compulsory subject and one of the things being that young people when they leave school for many, not all, they're not able to cook. They literally cannot cook a thing. Texas says, hi Patricia, I've got a boy and a girl both in college and they learned all their cooking skills at home. They cook chicken fillets most nights while they're cooking their dinner. The chicken fillet then can be stuck into a wrap and that's their lunch for the next day. Far cheaper 
to cook for oneself instead of shopping from the chipper as mine would call it also they prefer to have their own real dinners well well done now I'm, I'm, I, there's no name on that but I take it that's Mammy but well done Mammy for teaching and showing your son your daughter and your son most important that both are able to cook and that sounds terrific what they're doing cooking their dinner chicken fillers is on at the same time so they've got their lunch while they're cooking their dinner the lunch has been prepped for the next day and here's thank you for that text here's, Lorraine has a lovely idea Lorraine said hi Patricia the idea of compulsory home economics is something that I've talked about for a long time but with the best will in the world we don't have enough qualified teachers to put this into practice my idea is There are a wealth of women in the ICA who would be an unbelievable addition to any school curriculum. Also, and not to exclude the fantastic men in our society, I can bet you that retired members of our defence forces have so many skills that they could teach and pass on to young people. They are an untapped resource. I would love to know, does anybody else agree with me? We need volunteers to fill this gap. And Lorraine says, I'd be first in the queue. Well done, Lorraine. Well uh, done. Yeah, what a great idea. The women, the ladies of the ICA, what fine cooks they are, I can tell you. I love if I get invited to anything where the ICA are present because present, you're guaranteed you'll have the most beautifully produced sandwiches and the most magnificent cakes. I mean, they'll just be off the Richter scale. They really are, are a great bunch. And you write about members of the Defence Forces as well. They leave the Army uh, and the Navy with the incredible skills. 1850 333103. Lines open. C103 Jobs. Car sales executive is required for Deer Park Motors in Charleville. Experience in CDK uh, would be an advantage. Childbinder required for the Donnerail area. It's It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. For three school-going boys and the job will start in uh, January. And a manager is required to manage a mini bus slash taxi business in the Cork City area. You'll find all the... 
these details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we've already mentioned earlier, Christmas Eve is five weeks away today, which means that 2019 is fast approaching. For the last number of years, the only diary I ever use is the Get Up and Go diary, which is full of inspirational and fun quotes. There's a dynamic duo behind the Get Up and Go diaries and one half of that dynamic duo uh, joins me today, Brendan Sands. Uh, good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, uh, And uh, Eileen, too busy to join us Just today. Just too busy. Moving nice and close to, to, yeah. to that microphone. Yeah. We'll send on our best wishes uh, to her. Um, another year down. I suppose just remind listeners how the Get Up and Go Diaries came about. There is it are they ten years going? Yeah, they're they're all of ten years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, wow. it was it was originally the, the Irish Survivors Diary. Yeah. And uh, I suppose Glenda said that uh, you know that she could probably move on with it and like just as opposed to being the survivors diary of actually something that could people could aspire to, you know what I mean? So it really went to the the name of the, you know the Get Up and Go Diary, you know, and we moved from there. You and know? for those that have never seen one before, describe it as best you can. Well, I'll say that it's uh, a quirky. Well, it's a diary with like quirky sayings and. Uh, you know, a, a place to write your, your daily thoughts in. Yeah, uh, it, it operates as a normal diary as well. Yes, it operates as a normal diary, but it, it could motivational and, and you know, uh, lines in it are, you know, we call them quotes, uh, you know, to give you motivation and, you know, to, to where I see is just get up and go, you know. And it's put together and it's beautifully put together and the pictures and the drawings... Are yeah, fabulous. Absolutely. And it's bright and colourful and, and all of that. And then literally from one year to the next, I mean, you put one diary to bed. Are you working on the next one then almost straight away? Always, always working on it straight away. You know, Eileen does the compiling and uh, and she sorts out the pictures and, uh, you know, the quotes to go with, with probably a lot of the pictures. Uh, the diary that you're holding right now, that's the, the get up and go diary for a busy woman. Oh, so that's me. That's that's my, that's got my name all yeah, over. There's it. even recipes and stuff in it, there just is. like like fast recipes that can that can for a busy woman, just yeah, something that's yeah. and you've got your bucket lists and stuff like that in it as well and your goals and you can write in it what your what your your intention to look forward to in the next month or even over the next year. And, you know, even looking, I mean, this is obviously I've got the 2019 one, but even looking at, say, for this day next year, the 19th of November and next year, you know, on, on every single place where you can write in and I do, I write in, you know, stuff that I've got to do. I, I use it as my diary and, and what's Great. coming up. Um, but and I always look at the little quotes on it. But like for the 19th of November, in the end, all that matters is that you that you were loved. And I just I mean, that's just. That, that, yeah. that, that's just deep and fantastic and beautiful and some of them then are just you know fun little ones and uh, yeah it's just it, they are absolutely stunning and the, it started out as one diary and now there's a collection of diaries yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there is a range of diaries you know uh, like the, the Irish get up and go diary that was our, our I suppose our best seller and it probably is still our best seller at the moment however the one that you're just and that one that, that's the one that you can give to anyone yeah, yeah. absolutely you know and uh then we have got the, 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 the Busy Woman Diary and it's certainly catching up with the Irish Get Up and Go Diary. It's, it's, they're practically on a par now. You know, they're, they're, yeah, they're See, everybody both. knows the Busy Woman. <laughs> See, it, you, you wouldn't exactly go out and... You, well, I, I don't know if I'd go out and buy it for myself, but 
I know lots of people that I want to give this book to and I know yeah. I will give copies of, of yeah. this diary to because they're busy women. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know any women that's not busy. That's true. You that's know, absolutely and true. not only that too, you know, the, you know, the, the, the excess, you know, I mean, just to be able to, to actually get your hands on one, they, they make like, uh, what were we talking about there? You know, the, the, the under the 10 euro you know, gift that you give at Christmas, Chris yeah. Kringle. I Chris, don't know if it's yeah. Chris Kringle yeah, or Chris they do it, yeah. Kindle, a lot of, you know. A lot of workplaces do it. It's a lovely idea. That's you get right. somebody's name. Families have started doing it as well and it's it's a terrific idea. Yeah. And and this is perfect for that. Absolutely it's perfect. perfect. You know, it, it and really, you, really is. you've got is. a new one for young, is this the young persons? Is this yes, the actually, I'll tell you the, a quick story on that one that uh, that was actually come out uh, last Tuesday and it was first presented at a seminar in Dublin uh, last Tuesday and uh, it's just out it's just it was actually so fresh out of the off the press the boxes was not allowed to be opened until Tuesday morning that was the close that I uh, uh, that we were with this particular diary and I suppose it's it's marketed at, at the ages of I say between 8 and 14 probably 9 and 13 for 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 closer call on that one and uh, it's actually I'm actually bringing it to Cork uh, today this is my first time in Cork with this particular product and uh, it's for young people for yeah. Preteens, teenagers, yeah, yeah, yeah in, in yeah. around that, you know, in, in around, and and it's really, really great because it is some actually excellent quotes inside it for the for the for young, young way, yeah, including young. what soap is to the body, laughter is to the soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we're getting that out today uh, over the next week in, in the Cork area, Cork Kerry area, and uh, hopefully that'll that'll you know That's it'll make right. up it'll make up uh, it'll make a great Christmas stocking filler that type of thing, you know. Now, the, the, the sports, bit, I'm, I'm looking for the boys. Well, and girls, God, I'm wrong to say that. You've got an all-star sports journal. That's right. We, we actually got a, an all-star award in April of this year. And Congratulations. We, we, there was an, an opportunity just to uh, produce a, a, a journal that, uh, as you can see there, you have it in your hand. You know what I mean? The, 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 this diary has, like, tips on training, nu- nutrition, diet, uh, there's a food planner, an activity planner, even progress. And there's space for you to write in your progress and, and to write in your activity to, to that, what you're that, doing. That's right. right, yeah. right. And uh, and we also used uh, all the GA colours as in of every county there'll be there'll be a Cork is there. Cork's in there somewhere. But don't ask yeah. me the, the number of the page. And down. Thing. Yeah, down's in there. They're all in there. Carlo, Kerry, Galway, the Donegal. Lot. The whole lot. You and know, Tipperary, the lot. All of that, you know. And if you go to the back page, the actual, sh- the, the cover on the back, you can see there, it's it's for it's for boys and girls as well, you know. So yeah. it's great, like, and it, it's great, uh, it's a great approach even in their mental you know, I mean, their mental health as well, you know. The, and the, my favourite <coughs> written piece, the, the Desiderata, Go Plastically Amid the Noise and Haste, is on the very yeah, back page. Yeah, I, I just love I that. I have that framed at home. <laughs> I, I have that framed at home. OK, and then you do you do a range of really nice, the hard-backed ones. These are, these are quite special, I always yeah, feel. Yeah, well, there you can see... Uh, I suppose I could say first that the Busy Woman Diary and the Irish Get Up and Go Diary, they're a case-bound one as well. But we have this uh, new one now, uh, I suppose this time last year it came out, it was the, the, the Gratitude Journal. Ah, I love this. And it's beginning to take off like, like, oh my God, it's just like really, really great. You know, people just love it. They love the, the even the feel of it and they love the whenever they open it with all the quotes and the stuff and then they can write in their 
you know, their, their gratitude for every day. You know? Yeah, and it was something May and it was something we spoke I spoke about on this programme. I can't even remember of who kicked it off, but it was many years ago we spoke about gratitude and the need to be uh, grateful. I think it might have been with Sister Stanislaus Kennedy or somebody like that. And it was one of the, it, one thing she suggested was, you know, just before you go to sleep to think of something you're grateful for. And it can be the smallest thing under the sun, like yeah. somebody held a door open for you or, yeah. you know, really yeah. small thing. Uh, and it's something I started doing. So every night before I go to sleep, I try and think of something that I'm grateful for. And then, but you forget them all. Yeah. And that's where I think your journal is. Yeah. Just write them in. And, I, and, and I, I, I did it last year. I've been writing them down. And every now and again, I'll flick through them. And it's funny, the things, and it brings back a memory and a <laughs> smile. I think, oh God, I remember that day. Yeah. And it was very small. Yeah. Or it might have been, there was big things in it as well. Yeah. But yeah, but it's a lovely thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's absolutely fabulous, you know. So that's the great, and it's and it's a lovely feel to it. Yeah, it's a lovely yeah, feel to it. Yeah. And then a genius journal. Yeah, a genius journal. The genius journal, mm. I suppose, is we we looked at the, the school leavers and entrepreneurs. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of quotes in it from uh, Richard Branson and Roger Hamilton. Okay. Uh, stuff that they use. People have done well. Yeah, yeah. Some people that have done really well, and uh, so we find that this is is a is a great. Uh, it's it's just a great book if you want the wee tips on actually being out there as an entrepreneur, you know, and and you people that's just leaving school can actually see and uh, can look at it and see for themselves like what might make the difference whenever they whenever they're looking to start their own business or whatever the situation or whatever the case may be, you know. Any fool can make something complicated. It takes a genius to make it simple. That's there you go, genius journey. What, what, what a great saying. <laughs> and and I know you also during the year organise what you call a, a, a get up and go event. It's a, a kind of an in, how would you? It's an inspiring day out, isn't very it? Very much. Oh yeah. my God, Tricia, it's very much inspiring. You know, some of the, some of the speakers that we had this year. You know, we even had uh, BB Baskin as MC. You know, and and she was really really great. You know, and then we had. I tell you, we had even a, a chap from. Uh, Cork here, Josh Cotter, you call the chap, and his, uh, well, in his year year out, transitional year, he actually started a business and uh, in his transitional year, and uh, he was very successful, you know. Yeah, went so, on to make a business out of it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, you know. Brilliant. And uh, then we we even had another girl come in from, uh, she actually came in from Australia, and she was 16 times world champion bodybuilder. Now, I have uh-huh. never met anybody that has been world champion. Maybe Barry McGuigan or someone that has been a world champion yeah. boxer, maybe once, but you know. 16 times. 16 times. And I tell you, the dedication that that bodybuilding takes oh, she's is just phenomenal. Yeah, she's just amazing, you know. And whenever she came over to us, like, you know, it didn't look like she was a bodybuilder at all. Yeah. She's like very feminine and, you know, yeah. just like, you know. It's when they get, go into training for yeah, it that they do you know, it. The, so, they, they, it so they just, so you just have people come and they, they share their story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and 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 uh, we had uh, another guy called Paul Dunn. He actually he came in live uh, video link uh, from Singapore, and he's uh, his stuff is B one G one, and and we're a part of this B one G one. So for everybody that everyone that buys any copy or anything of uh, of our products, there is money goes towards maybe making a water well or planting trees or somewhere something mm-hmm. like that. You know, school in India or whatever the case may be. But we make a donation as well with every copy that's sold. There's a donation made towards uh, the B1G1. Well and done. He was well saying, done. you know, I mean, what he was doing, you know. And you, 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 have, a, you have a great passion for all of this because you, you, you still are the one going around the country. Yeah, I just, love, the, I just love meeting people. Delivering the diaries. <laughs> Absolutely love it. It's so just, you self-publish and self-promote? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, it would be all the people would say it would be easier to get a distributor, but you, you, there's something about the personal touch, I think, isn't Absolutely. there? Absolutely, sure. We we distribute through the likes of uh, Eason's and yeah. and and, and uh, Eason's, Menzies, uh, Argosy Books, and out of Dublin, and you know, bookstation and stuff. And uh, but I still, you know, for the independent shops, I just love it. And they know me by either there's a get up and go man, yeah, there's, the diary there's man. Brendan, there's yeah. the diary man or whatever, you know. And they're all looking to make me coffee. If I was stayed, if I stayed in every shop that wanted to make me coffee and have a conversation with me, I promise you, I wouldn't get anywhere. You know. But it's those in, and I'm not knocking the bigger stores and and the and the going online to buy your books and all of that. But the independent bookstores, they're the ones we need to be supporting because yeah, they're they, it. it they're really struggling. It's so difficult. Yeah. I, I heard somebody at the weekend, I thought, fabulous idea, who goes online to read all the reviews of books in, in one of the larger uh, online companies that promotes books. And then she goes into our independent store and buys her book there. <laughs> I just thought, well done. That's the way to do it. Well, I think online, you know, and I think this is Black Friday that's coming very shortly is, as yeah. well. So that's yeah. going to be like bedlam as far as yeah. I believe, you know, for the like of the couriers in the post office, this type of thing, you know. OK, because somebody's <coughs> saying, where, where can you get the diaries? So, well, it's well, all of them. Paul. has the full list but it's, it's usually all the independent bookstores around yeah. Yeah. Uh, what around I would say and all good and all good bookshops OK and yeah. I, I, I don't I, I don't want to let the moment pass without asking you how your daughter was because I know this time last year when you joined us uh, your daughter Sandra wasn't very well and just to remind listeners um, Sandra has cystic, was born with cystic fibrosis that's correct yeah. and you already lost a beautiful daughter Claire to cystic fibrosis which I can't believe is three and a half years ago yeah. but for you it's probably gone it feels like it was only yesterday yeah. but this time last year your daughter Sandra wasn't wasn't too yeah, great this, this time last year Sandra had a collapsed lung so she was on her a, a machine that they have on, that she wears at night it's a, it's a mask and uh, it like it pressurizes, you know, the the oxygen in and the carbon dioxide out, mm. and uh, that that it, because it's a pressurized thing, it actually it her lung collapsed, one of her lungs collapsed, and uh, yeah, she made it through, uh, you know, eventually she you know with with a bit of difficulty, surely you know, and, and and being very sick at the time, she 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 got better at the end of the day, you know. She's but on the donor list though. She is oh, well, she's on the lung transplant list. Lung transplant, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's on the lung transplant Sorry. list. And actually very recently, it was about uh, three months ago, she had a, a gallbladder complication. And uh, <clears throat> we got it difficult to get uh, anaesthetists actually to, well, because her, Sandra's lung function was 23. And uh, it was difficult to get anaesthetists. A normal lung function is? Well. 100? Yeah. Oh, Okay. So uh, there was a bit of a difficulty there, but eventually then we got uh, we got the anaesthetist in Belfast City Hospital to to remove the gallbladder, and uh, she was very sick at the time, but <clears throat> she she managed okay. You know, she was she done she done stuff just that. Uh, I think if it had been me, I still would be in the hospital. And Sandra was up and on her back on her feet within three days. You know, she was, it was totally amazing. I would say a miracle, actually. What actually, you know, the way she recovered. She's, you in, know. she's incredible. <coughs> did you watch the um, Orla Tinsley oh, I did, yeah. documentary? Yeah, that was just amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, that was just like you know, she she just like uh, she's just an amazing person. You know, the, yeah. the strength, the strength. You know, but I see I see the strength in in Sandra as being the same. You know, the fighting. You know, the, yeah. the same. You know, so Sandra is on the lung transplant list, but she's attached to the. Freeman's Hospital in Newcastle upon Tyne. Okay. Uh, the what what worries me sometimes is uh, if Sandra's lung function got too low, could they transport her from Belfast to Newcastle upon Tyne? Because there is a four-hour window, 
And if Sandra's lung function was was very low, you know, I mean, can they actually fly her? Uh, you know, this type of thing is is what actually can't be done me. in Belfast. <clears throat> no, there's no there's no facilities in Belfast for lung transplants. The only place in Ireland is the Matter Hospital in Dublin. And uh, I suppose there's a lot of complications actually setting in with you know being transferring from from the NHS to the single list. You must stay on one list. So Sandra See, can't. I be- can't understand this. What like what difference does it make if you need a lung and 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 there's a suitable one there? Does it really matter? It, well, it it wouldn't matter to me. I, I, you know what matters to me is that Sandra gets a, you yeah. know, a double lung transplant. And I, I don't think it would matter to the donor's family whether they were whether it was the NHS or the HSE. It doesn't. It doesn't make any difference to the no. patient at the end of the day. You know, and they're, I believe that they're really, really great. It's a great place to get a lung transplant. Yeah. the matter hospital in Dublin. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Su- it's very successful, and there's a there's supposed to be what I would call a super doctor. In the Matter Hospital in Dublin, that uh, that does the, the lung transplants, you know, uh, but as I say, just you know, there's, there's complications and uh, complications, and uh, we just have to take them in our stride, just as we go, you know what I mean? I'm sure. But it's it. worth us, um, and the, re- the main reason that I want to mention it is, I suppose, it gives us the opportunity. You know it firsthand because you're looking at uh, Sandra on a daily basis. How important it is for people to carry donor cards. Absolutely. And to talk to your next of kin. Absolutely. Christmas now, you're going to be sitting around with families. You know, it doesn't have to be all morbid, but just to let people know, if God forbid something happens to me, take everything. There's no use to me. You no, can take it all. No use whatsoever. You know, yeah. that, that, uh, I'll definitely agree with you there. You know what I mean? And people should carry the, 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 the card. Although I believe now really soon it was supposed to be introduced probably two months ago, it was uh, an opt-out clause. Yeah. So in actual fact, you had to carry the card if you wanted to opt out. Mm. You were automatically in. And I think that that is a really, really good thing. This, you're an automatic donor anyway. Yeah. You're made a very part of you becomes, you know, if, if you're going to die or whatever the case may be, you're involved in an incident or an accident that someone else can benefit from it. Like, like my daughter, yeah. who just wants a breath of air. That's yeah. all. She didn't. She just know, wants, she, she wants she, to live. Yeah, the, other, to... the other problem just at the moment is, uh, you know, Sandra's also, well, we'll say, uh, you know, impaired hearing or deaf and... Uh, it's just one of those issues I've heard. I've heard listened to you speaking on this issue as well. You yeah. know, uh, her husband is deaf. Okay. Sandra's husband is deaf, and uh, and what is Sandra? Sandra's impaired hearing. Okay. Right? Because Sandra can hear tiny, tiny sounds. Okay. T- okay. Sandra's husband can't hear anything. anything. Yeah. All right. Okay. And we're very lucky in the respect of uh, Sandra has a daughter, Cara, who is coming ten now, and in January, the end of January. And uh, because Sandra's husband, Q, went to school in Dublin, he, he was with the ISL, but Sandra went to school in Northern Ireland and she was with BSL. And if it, people would be confused by this. They're actually two different. There's an Irish sign language and there's a British sign language. There's an American sign language, there's an Australian. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. but they're all different. Yeah. The, yeah. the British sign language is the alphabet on two hands. Yeah. And the Irish sign so language is the, the alphabet, alphabet on, on one hand. hand. Yeah. Now, we're very lucky with Cara because Cara was, was born into the situation and Cara speaks Irish saying and she also speaks British saying. Wow. She speaks... Multilingual in, in, in sign language. <laughs> and she's what a only kid. 10, you know. She's really, uh, but, really but she But Cara is hearing. Cara's hearing. Cara's yeah. Cara's hearing. 100%. And didn't pick up the CF gene or anything? No, oh, no, no. Well, she might be well. a carrier of the abnormal yeah. gene, but yeah. she, she hasn't got cystic fibrosis no. and she's, no. she's not deaf. And a great and she's, kid. She's, 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 she's probably... 
a credit to herself and she just looks after her mum incredibly incredibly well. She's a great well. kid. She's, She's absolutely a great kid. brilliant. Listen, you're, you're, you're a great guy. Uh, Lama, you continue with the great work of the Get Up and Go Diaries. Pass on our very best wishes to Eileen and Taylor. We look forward to seeing her next year. Because yeah. <laughs> she comes in most years but too busy this year which is, which is, which is fine. And uh, no doubt we'll see you during the year at some stage as well. But thanks a million for joining us and popping into studio. Thank you, Trish. Once again, my thanks to Brendan Sands from the Get Up and Go Diaries for joining us in studio. She Sheila, as an inspirational quote, says, aim for happiness rather than credit. There are a lot of unhappy academics in the world, says uh, Sheila. And when I was talking about independent bookstores, uh, a texter says, the best book shop in the world is in Kantark. The owner is Breda and Breda is extremely helpful. Always try and go to those independent stores uh, when when you're buying books and there's nothing like uh, opening up a new book and the feel of a new book. I love the smell of uh, books as well. There's, there's something um, fantastic about them. I, I just, I love to read. Okay. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Do remember to stay tuned because in this hour we're giving you a chance to win a family pass to go see Cinderella at the Everyman. Now the actual performance is Thursday the 13th of December so you must be available to go along with your family on that night. It's going to be a half seven start to the pantomime but we're going to need you there at six because we're doing a VIP reception where there'll be face painters and musicians and uh, treats for the kids. Also as part of the prize we are giving you a voucher for 50 euro to spend at Son of a Bun on, on the Curtain Street in Cork where you can enjoy what's described as the best burger in Ireland. But tickets to the pantomime to Cinderella. Further information at www.everymancork.com and your chance to win. We will let you, I'll give you more details of how you can win in this hour in just a moment. But first, the children's charity Bernardo's, they're looking for parent and baby volunteers to take part in their Roots of Empathy programme. With uh, further details, I'm joined from Bernardo's by Diane Mackin. Uh, good morning to you, Diane. Hi, good morning. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, I had never heard of this empathy programme before and I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't. So just explain to us how the programme actually works. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So the Roots of Empathy programme is basically a programme that happens in primary schools um, from junior infants right up to sixth class, this program can be delivered. At the centre of the program is the most unique and beautiful part of the program is a parent and baby from the local community. And this parent and baby come in to visit the classroom over the course of the year to teach the children about feelings. That's it in a, in a bit of a nutshell. So the baby is like a teacher. And when the baby come in, comes in to visit the children, the baby wears a little T-shirt that says teacher. So it's a tiny teacher that is able to teach these older children, but that not that old, obviously, they're in primary school, more about their feelings and the, and the language of feelings and how to express them. So what so, commitment does the parent and baby have to give? So, so basically, there's a, as part of it, so a school decides to de- deliver this programme and a trained instructor and comes in as part of that and is assigned to a school to, to run this program through the course of the year. So this instructor will deliver the program over the course of the whole year. And then for nine visits throughout the, the school year, roughly once every three weeks or once a month, depending on the school timetable, the local parent and baby will come in to visit the children in the classroom. And those visits will usually last about 30 minutes. 
So that's the commitment we're looking for um, from a local parent and baby. We have a school in Charleville that has is ready to go, has a trained instructor, but we don't have a local parent and baby. Um, so we're looking. We, we're looking. For, we it can't has to run be. this program without well, the parent. It doesn't. And baby. It doesn't work. It doesn't work it otherwise. Doesn't work. So what age it does the baby work. need to be? Yes, and that's really, really important. So the baby, the whole curriculum is is based around the developmental milestones of a newborn baby. So the baby needs to be between two and four months when they start in the school, because obviously each lesson is lining up with where the baby's going to be at. So if the baby is six months, we'll have already jumped ahead in the curriculum and it'll be missing. So it's really, really important that the baby's between two and four months old and when they start in the school and that the parent will be able to come in for nine visits around 30 minutes each, every three weeks or every four weeks up until June. So that's kind of what we're looking for if anyone is out there with a new baby or a grandparent or an aunt or somebody who knows somebody. This is a really lovely opportunity for a parent to do something. A lot of the parents um, who do volunteer say it's something that they're really thrilled to do in their maternity leave or because they're at home with the baby and it gives them a little bit of a focus every three weeks they might come into the school. They love the idea that their little baby is going to be indoors and it is by this classroom of children. So it's like they adopt this little baby for the year. They document the baby's growth. They measure on the baby. They weigh the baby. They look at what the baby can do each month. So the parent is hearing from 25 little people what her baby can do and how amazing her baby is for him. So the parents can be a dad as well. Very often it's mums, but we do have dads as well. And sometimes both parents come in uh, into the classroom. And I suppose another huge part of it is that children get to watch and witness the attachment between the parent and the baby. Um, And they get to ask the parents questions about the baby, how the baby's doing, what the baby's learning. And the instructor who's trained will be coaching the the children to observe the baby's feelings. The whole program is really about getting the children to learn about their feelings through this little baby and helping them to relate better to one another. So it's a proven program. All the evidence will show that it increases children's emotional language and their social, positive social behaviours and increases empathy, while at the same time it decreases negative social behaviours and bullying and aggressive behaviours. So lots of parents just feel that it's a lovely opportunity for them to, to have their baby have this impact on other children in a classroom over the over the course of the year. Um, so it is a really, really positive program. We just have hugely positive feedback from, from parents. And obviously then that the children sometimes are living in the same community they might meet that baby as the baby grows, you know, and get to, and they have it just has a knock on effect down through the years of remembering how to treat that baby really well. And, and uh, have you would, have you run this program in many schools across Cork? Yes. So this program, so we've, it has been, in Ireland, Bernard's have been running since in 2011. Okay. So it's been in a number of schools in Cork um, over the last three or four years. But this year we have had huge growth. Um, so it's in 20, 23 plus schools in Cork, new new schools in Cork this year, um, this this October. So a lot of the, the schools have started um, their program and the, the instructors are delivering the program. So... Um, yeah, so it's really, it's really, um, it's maybe up to 150 programs around the country, and in Cork this year, there's, there's close to 30 programs running 
um, across the county. Okay. Um, and so this is a school in Charleville, so we're looking for somebody who's had a baby born since August, end of July, start of August of this yeah. year, uh, willing to go to Charleville, you know, either from Charleville or just outside of Charleville. Somewhere near. Exactly yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And they can and contact, we, we have all of your details, they can contact you um, direct and uh, we, we can put you in, in, in contact uh, with them. Uh, and what's the origin, where did this programme come from, by the way? So, so this programme, thanks for asking that. Yeah, so this programme has come from Canada um, and it's been um, in Canada since 1996. So there's a, um, a lady called Mary Gordon founded the programme and she's a very, um, she's an internationally known um, educator, author and social entrepreneur and an advocate of children really. So she has grown this programme throughout Canada and it's in 10 other countries around the world now, including Ireland. So um, it, it's really huge in Canada. It's in, it's in the, all of the states around Canada. Um, and she does continuous work on the programme, on developing it. There's huge amounts of information on the rootsofempathy.org website about the programme. Um, lots of YouTube videos and things that people could look at just to see what the programme is all about and the origins of it. Well, it's um, but I suppose her whole, her whole philosophy is that children um, need to, to be taught and encouraged um, in empathy, in, in, in developing their empathy skills, but it needs to be nurtured. And this programme is really all about that. And a through skill. The connection of this little baby. A, a skill for life. Yeah, absolutely a skill for life. Listen, good luck with it, um, Diane. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Thank you so much for having me on. Good Thank morning. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Diane Mack in there who coordinates the Ruth of Empathy programme for Bernardo's in Cork. So a newborn baby, two to four months, that kind of age group in the Charleville area. If you are listening, you're out on mat leave at the moment and you'll be willing to take part. It, part, it does sound like a wonderful, wonderful programme for you and your baby to get involved uh, with. Or if you know of somebody who's had a baby since August of this year, who in and around the Charleville area would be willing to, to pop into the school once a month until from now until the baby's uh, I suppose to the end of the school year I suppose it'll, it'll wrap up May, June of next year get in contact with us with us please and we'll put you in contact with Diane running the Roots of Empathy programme in uh, for Bernardas and I really do hope that they manage to get a baby because they've got this school in Charleville ready to go with it they just need the baby they need a baby volunteer along with Mammy or uh, Daddy if you can help us with that please do 1850 We were talking about the wonderful uh, Weeshy Fogarty and the loss of Weeshy Fogarty and I mentioned um, that I'd never, it was a name I'd never come across before and it was, Paulie was saying it was short for Alphonsus and I was saying I'd never heard of anybody else called Weeshy. Carmel out in reception said instantly the phones lit up and people pointed out that Weeshy Murphy was a footballer for Cork. So while Wishy Fogarty might have been born in Mallow but then raised and spent all of his life in Kerry and played football for Kerry, we had a Wishy playing for Cork and that was Wishy Murphy and Dr Con Murphy's, uh, he was Dr Con Murphy's dad who of course obviously has been involved with the Cork team. So there are other Wishies as well. Thank you for uh, for alerting us to that. Some of your WhatsApps uh, coming in to us. Uh, morning Patricia, you're on about the clothes bins. There's a few people who take clothes out of it in the can- in Canturk and they do it during the day. How brazen is that? Uh, in all, they would, uh, and in all pure cheek, 
these would be the first on the bar stool after getting their dole money. Now, I don't know why. And why are they taking clothes? Are, they, are you saying they're taking clothes out of the clothes bin because they need them to wear them themselves? Or what are they actually doing uh, with it? Because I know there was organised gangs in the main, they were Eastern European gangs who were making a lot of money out of the sale of clothes that were donated door to door. They were, besides the Vincent de Paul had a huge issue a number of years ago. They were breaking in to the bins belonging to the various legitimate charities that they were out there trying to collect clothes for their clothes shops and clothes banks, uh, etc. And there was a huge problem. So they, they've they had to try and do things with the bins to make sure that somebody couldn't get into them. I mean, they were at one stage, remember, they were putting, there was video evidence of them lowering a small child into these bins and the child would get into the bin, hand out the bags and then the child was hauled out of the bin. Really, really dangerous. Uh, so they, they've tried to adapt the bin so that that doesn't happen. I don't know if they've gotten around it or not. And it's even shameful to think that they needed to put CCTV cameras onto the clothes bin to stop unscrupulous p- uh, people stealing from them. But here's somebody who's claiming that it's local a local person or people in Cantork who are taking from the clothes bins as I say I don't know why they're doing it for what reason or why they need uh, to be doing it on that awful story and the email that we mentioned from the distressed mum who got on to us earlier because took her children to the playground in Lismire only discovered that somebody had pooed all over the little seesaw and the little child and a child with autism uh, bless her heart went running over to it didn't realise that somebody had defecated all over the seat of the seesaw, put her hands into it, it ended up all over her trousers. They had to take the trousers off the child, put them straight into the bin, the whole family bundled back into the car, everyone straight home for baths, inside of the car disinfected because they didn't know where everybody's hands had been. I mean, just, ugh, I, I nearly want to go home and have a shower having read, just having read this poor mum's email to us and she has gotten onto the council and as we say we're sure that the everything in Lismire is going to be sanitised and the specialist cleaners in but we're just trying to find out who in God's name would do such a thing. Some reaction to that email. Heidi says, Hi Patricia those people that defecated on the child's swings and seesaws in the play areas should when found out who's doing this they should be taken immediately to see a psychiatrist to see what what the hell is going on in their crazy minds and why would they do such crazy things? That would be my way of uh, dealing with it. Um, Heidi, I don't think in any way that these people have are in, have a mental health issue. I mean, because when you go to a psychiatrist because you've got a mental health issue, I don't think there's anything to do with mental health. I'd love to get to the bottom of it as well, but I don't know if even a psychiatrist could manage to get to the bottom of such a disgusting thing to do and why somebody would find it fun because you're assuming they're doing it because they think it's a fun thing uh, to do. Sheila says, Patricia, I'm absolutely disgusted hearing you talk about our lovely playground in Lismire. And by the way, says Sheila, we've never had a problem with this type of behaviour before, says Sheila. Okay, well, that certainly is good to hear, Sheila. Thank you for that because that's what the reason I wanted to put it out there was to see from people in the Lismire area 
are they having? Could this be a problem? Is it, is it a new problem or is it something that's happened before? Because certainly we've heard about it at other playgrounds and I was just wondering, so maybe it's just a one-off. Maybe it's just absolutely a one-off and hopefully that's all it is. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, an urgent meeting regarding Brexit, fodder and financial items is going to be held in the GAA complex in Carragoon tonight at half past seven. The major speakers, bank representatives and Dairy Gold CEO will all uh, attend. Everybody very welcome to uh, come along. Carrigaline Toastmasters, they're meeting tonight and every second Monday night at 8pm in the Carrigaline Court Hotel. Come along and meet and develop your public speaking skills in a relaxed environment. No obligation, by the way, to uh, speak. Bandon Flower and Garden Club are hosting Breather Kyohan for a flower arranging demonstration that's on tonight at 8 in the Munster Arms Hotel. Visitors are welcome. Bandon Daycare Centre and Bandon Christmas Street Fest are looking for your support. They're inviting people to donate up to tomorrow, Tuesday, your new, nearly new or pre-loved bags and bling to have them sold to raise funds for these two very worthy local causes with an event they're calling Bags and Bling. The items can be dropped off up to and including tomorrow to the Munster Arms Hotel with all the proceeds going to Bandon Daycare Centre and the Bandon Christmas Street uh, Fest. Monster Bingo will be held in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. That's on uh, Tuesday at half past eight in aid of local uh, charities. And the Carberry Group will host the 2018 Agri-Tech Day in Skibbering Community School. And that's happening on Thursday of this week. Court Today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Every day this week we have a wonderful competition in association with everymancork.com. And we have a prize of a family pass, which uh, the family pass is for for Family of Four to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday the 13th of December half seven but we want you there at six for a VIP reception plus we're throwing in a 50 euro voucher for Son of a Bun on McCurtain Street where I'm told you can enjoy the best burger in uh, Ireland here is listen carefully here is today's cute call with the question Hello boys and girls we're Germaline and Chlorine Cinderella's identical twin sisters who shall go to Prince Charming's ball this Christmas. Go on, have a guess. She wears a red cape and likes to visit her grandmother in the woods. Who are they talking about there? Who likes to go visit their grandmother in the woods? Caller 10 to get through to John Paul. Now we're doing it by phone. 1850-333-103. Caller 10. But as I said at the outset, you must be available and free along with your family to go on Thursday the 13th of December. Will I play it again? I will. Okay, another go. Hello, boys and girls. We're Germaline and Chlorine. Cinderella's identical twin sisters. Who shall go to Prince Charming's ball this Christmas? Go on, have a guess. 
She wears a red cape and likes to visit her grandmother in the woods. There's Germaline and Chlorine. OK, and they'll be joining us every day this week with a different question, always panto-related, for your chance to win that family pass. We've got a family pass along with the Son of a Bun vouchers to give away every day this week, thanks to Everyman. Uh, Cork, uh, dot, uh, com. OK, let me look at some of your texts that are coming into the pro- programme. Can you give a mention to this? I can. Castle Magner players present Big Maggie this uh, coming weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, every every night of the weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And again, the following weekend in the community centre. It's my kind permission and is one of John B. Keane's most powerful Productions. The play is a senior citizens fundraiser, and your support would be gratefully appreciated. That's Castle Magner Players present Big Maggie. What a wonderful play! Friday, Saturday, and uh, Sunday next. And I see somebody, and I always like this, particularly if it's a local production like that that's put on. Give credit where credit is due because the amount of work that goes in to putting on these productions and in Bantry, says Patricia. Just want to let you know that I was a spectator at the Oscars. This was an event that was put on in Bantry on Saturday night. Not knowing what to expect, said Anya. I was blown away. It was the best laugh I've had in years. Thanks to one and all. And I know we were advertising it and encouraging people to go along. So take a bow. Everybody who's involved in that production of the Oscars in Bantry on Saturday night and Anya thank you for taking time out to pass on that uh, kind message to everybody involved I'm sure the people who are involved will really appreciate it someone else says any news on Drum Tariff Bazaar when it's on I texted in last night last week but I heard nothing and I called it out does anybody know when the Drum Tariff Bazaar is on for this year I'd love to say call us with the answer but uh, call us and let us know but don't because the phone lines are going absolutely ape with people entering our pantomime competition so don't call us if you need to, to get through to us at the moment text 0862 103 103 Mary says did anybody else notice the bells of St Mary's Church in Mallow yesterday they were not ringing to the usual tone Sounded almost out of tune. Did anybody else notice that? I didn't hear the bells ringing yesterday, Mary, so I can't say yay, I or nay. But has anybody noticed the bells of Mary's Church in Mallow? Are they slightly out of tune? And someone else says, did anybody see a very low flying commercial jet about 12 noon over the Charleville Ballyhay area today? It turned and headed back towards Limerick again. I was hanging out the laundry. I couldn't believe how low it was. Now, if it was if it was flying and then turned around and headed back, it was heading back to Shannon. That to me sounds like a plane that has decided needs to go back to to land. Is it? We'll maybe get on to Shannon Airport and we'll see if we can find out did they have an emergency landing or did somebody do a takeoff and turn back for whatever uh, reason. But anybody else see that? Charleville Ballyhay area around twelve noon today. A low flying commercial uh, jet. Somebody on whoever soiled the the little kiddies play park in Lismire by pooing all over the seat of the seesaw. Somebody says a couple of lashes across the bare arses. That's what they want. Well, you're not allowed to do that, unfortunately. But I know the sentiment. I know where you're coming from on it. And we were talking about home economics and why we need to make home economics 
a compulsory or what's been suggested that we make it a compulsory subject up to junior certificate. A texter says, this is from Sheila. Sorry, Sheila, because your text came in in two parts. So I saw the second half first. Sheila says, just smiling at the home economics item on your programme today, Patricia. When I was a young lady, I was a real tomboy. I hated cookery and I hated the sewing classes. I was so disruptive in the lessons that eventually the school allowed me to do woodwork and metalwork instead. Totally unheard of in the 60s. In fact, in the whole of my time in school, I only ever got one A. And guess what? That was for woodwork. When I was 21, I had the opportunity to get a job as a housekeeper. I couldn't even boil an egg. I taught myself from books and from TV programmes. Fast forward 40 years, I'm still in the job and I love it as much as ever. It goes to show you never know what life has in store. And often, as in my case, you can learn a lot more out of school than you can in it. That's why I always say to my kids, aim for happiness rather than credit. There are a lot of unhappy academics in the world, says uh, Sheila. Thank you for that. 1850 And that number, you can stop calling us, please, because we have our winner. Here's the answer. The answer is Red Riding Hood. And Eddie Kiley in Mallow was caller number 10 with the answer of Red Riding Hood. Congratulations to you, Eddie. You win that family pass to go along to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday, the 13th of uh, December. And we're going to do it all over again every day this week because it's that time of year again. Oh no, it's not. Oh yes, it is. It's pantomime season and we are media partners with uh, Cinderella at the Everyman this year. So your chance to win again tomorrow. But well done. Uh, Eddie Kiley in Mallow, winner one uh, for the, this programme uh, for this week. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we mentioned that low-flying plane. Uh, listener in Charleville, Ballyhay area, uh, describes it as a low-flying commercial jet. She said what stri- she was out hanging laundry out in the line, the washing out in the line, and she said what caught her attention first was that it was flying so low and then it turned back towards Limerick and she was wondering, did anybody else see it? Somebody says that it's probably from Ordnance Survey that they are doing surveys at the moment and they're around lately and it could be that. But uh, this is a commercial jet that I don't know if an Ordnance Survey plane would be as big as a commercial jet. And this listener is adamant by the size of it that it is a large, that it was a large commercial uh, jet. And a quick mention for Mary in Skibbereen. I appreciate if you could give this a quick mention to your listeners. Did anybody find a silver charm bracelet with the letters O and the letter F on it? It was lost in Skibbereen Town. Now it was lost during the midterm break. The midterm break would have been the end of October and it ran into the start of November. Huge sentimental uh, value and there's a reward on offer if we can find it and get it returned. We have Mary's telephone number. Uh, so if anybody knows or heard of somebody who found a charm bracelet during mid-term break, silver charm bracelet, an O and an F. I'm assuming there are other charms, but amongst all the other charms, there's an O and an F. If you found that charm bracelet, would you give us a holler here, please, and we can put you in contact with Mary, 1850-333-103. Or you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Let's go to the Health Hub in Times Square in Ballancolic, where I'm joined by Annalise Dressel. Good afternoon to you, Good Annalise. And you are very welcome. And today we are looking at eating to prevent uh, breast cancer in uh, particular. Um, Firstly, the causes of breast cancer. 
So, well, I suppose the most significant cause is a genetic link. And there's a particular gene that they have identified that will increase your risk of getting a breast cancer. Um, and that's called the BRAC gene, B-R-A-C-C gene. Um, so if there is any family history of breast cancer, generally um, people are told to tell their cousins and their daughters and their aunts and any female relative that they need to go and be genetically tested to see if they're also positive for that gene. And then if they're positive for that gene, their chance of breast cancer will be a certain percentage more likely. And based on the outcome of that, um, because there's a few genes involved, uh, based on the outcome of that, then I suppose you'll be advised possibly even to have um, a preventative and there is a bit of controversy at the moment because of one particular test case that uh, wasn't reported right and I think we're doing a follow-up interview tomorrow we're hoping to the Irish Cancer Society on just to warn just to give advice to other women who have gone for that bracket testing and who might now be nervous so so we will have a follow-up on that um, uh, tomorrow Yeah, absolutely and look, I mean Patricia there's always going to be errors unfortunately with these tests but I think, you know, just common sense as well, if there is a family history of breast cancer, like there is of any disease, if there's a family history of autoimmune disorder, you probably are, you probably could be more likely getting of getting that. So, you know, I think common, like just go and get yourself tested, even if you haven't been told to, if you suspect it might be an issue. Yeah. And then for, for people who do go on to develop uh, breast cancer, the signs and symptoms, it isn't always, for example, a lump. No, not necessarily. Um, sometimes, actually, it's, uh, it's you know, it's um, diagnosed or it's found actually accidentally, Patricia. Um, so, uh, like, you may have no signs and symptoms at all. Now, all of the doctors would recommend that you do a breast check yourself. And what you're looking for is not always a lump, but just any changes to the breast, any tender spots, um, any um, difference in the nipple, any difference in the texture, I suppose. Like, a lot of women will find that their breasts get quite lumpy coming up to their periods and this can be just more kind of fibrocystic breast tissue where it just gets hard and can be a bit painful actually caffeine is one of the worst things to kind of drive that as well but generally the lumps will lessen or go away once your period comes and um, is gone so that tends to be a different one but making sure that you're checking any major changes in the breast any tenderness every time you take a shower really you should probably you know have a quick check well maybe not every day but at least once a week in the shower have a quick check of your breast tissue yeah just sure get get normal. into the habit of doing it more than anything isn't exactly. it yeah okay um now foods and i know we're aiming this at um and we're talking about breast cancer but i'm, I'm assuming this is advice for everybody is it on any type of cancer it is now yes absolutely any type of cancer um i think probably the breast cancer as well as so specifically um uh, there are certain things that can you can eat to prevent if you have a family history of breast cancer so i'll i'll identify which ones are specific to breast cancer but on the whole following an anti-inflammatory diet uh, will increase will decrease your risk of developing any cancers there's certain foods that have been linked with cancers the other thing as well patricia as a cause i'm a big um believer that the glycophosphate we don't even know what that pesticide is responsible for yet i think years to come we'll see how bad that pesticide that um pesticide has been for our health overall but there are studies that show that the glycophosphate will induce tissue growth in breast cancer cell uh, sorry cancer cell growth in breast cells um via the estrogen receptor so glycophosphates are sprayed onto nearly everything now so like hopefully 
we're on the way to having this banned in Europe and hopefully we'll stop using it overall. But that would be something in terms of diet, I think, eating organic foods if you're worried about developing cancer. Um, they may not be nutritionally better for you, but certainly in terms of the load of the pesticides and chemicals that would be on them, they would be far less. So that would be one thing to avoid. Also, we know that studies have shown us that eating a lot of processed meat will increase your risk of cancer across the board. So that would be things like sausages, rashers, salamis, any of those, like ham, any of those processed meats that have nitrates in them. That would be another big food. Sugar as well has been shown to in, to, to drive cancer growth. So another one to avoid. Um, that probably, they'd be the main ones really, Patricia, that are coming to my mind. Uh, and then on the other side, what should we be including? So the things that we should include then, again, we're coming back to kind of what's the healthiest diet across the board. And it seems to be the Mediterranean diet. And the main reason that that diet is really healthy is that the food is all cooked from scratch. So there's very little processed food in there. It's very, very high in vegetables um, and legumes like, you know, your pulses, your lentils, your peas and your beans, chickpeas, kidney beans across the board. They use a lot of those. They're a great source of fibre, but they're a great source of um, anti-cancer chemicals as well as the, uh, your vegetables. Also, they would have meat in that diet, but very not a huge amount of meat. So maybe red meat three times a week and the rest of the time they eat fish or they eat legumes. So again, the fish, the omega-3s are very powerful natural anti-inflammatories and anything that's an anti-inflammatory will help prevent cancer. Um, So um, a a rainbow of colours on your plate. The greens and the uh, very important have at least one green leafy vegetable every day. But the ones that are lovely as well, I think anti-cancer ones are the purples and the reds. So plenty tomatoes, all of your berries, blackberries now this time of the year. Well, I suppose they're gone now, really, but if you've got some frozen mm. um, blueberries, and I always say frozen are fine. And if you can't afford organic, still, you know, eat the vegetables. Rather, eat vegetables that are non-organic than not eat any vegetables at all. Other foods, then, that would be specifically good for breast cancer are foods that support a pathway in the liver called the sulfation pathway. So this is the pathway that detoxifies old hormones, So this advice actually not only just for getting rid of the old estrogen hormones that can drive estrogenic breast and cervical cancers, but also this is great for menopause when our hormones are up and down. Um, It's also great for heavy, painful periods where you just want your body to be able to flush out all the old unneeded hormone that has peaked throughout the course of the, the monthly cycle. So the sulfation pathway is supported by sulfur. And you get sulfur in any of those foods that smell sulfurous like um, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, leeks, garlic, onions, cauliflower, eggs, kale, all of those um, sort of smelly uh, ones that when they cook, they smell in the house. They're all very high in sulfur. So include a number of those in the diet every day. Take flax seeds and chia seeds on your breakfast cereal in the morning. These lignans, again, will help detoxify and the body, the the source of um, the fiber as well is a great way to keep the bowel moving and another great way of detoxifying the body. For breast cancer as well, I think I'd probably recommend cutting out dairy, Patricia, because um, dairy actually, the milk, you know, there's a lot of hormones in milk because obviously the, the cow is feeding their, their um, calf and they want them mm. to grow very rapidly. So it's very high in something called insulin-like growth factor, which drives growth, which is what you want in a small calf. But this is also a cancer promoter. So I'd cut out the dairy if you're prone 
to breast cancer and there's lots of other sources of calcium so I wouldn't worry about your bones from that perspective. Take a good vitamin D supplement instead. Okay, and when you're talking vitamin D, any other supplements you would suggest people who who are... Well, turmeric as well is another lovely one. Um, Even in UCC, as far as I know, they're studying the the benefits of turmeric as an anti-cancer agent. So putting turmeric in all of your soups and stews, using it to cook, you can make a nice kind of a a health smoothie with um, lemons and turmeric and maybe an avocado and throw in some spinach. Um, Actually, and if you use the pit as well as the some of the skin of the lemon, it actually disguises the taste of the um, of the turmeric a bit as well. So that's a great way of getting um, a lot of natural anti-inflammatories into you. Um, you know, the cannabis oil, Patricia, there that has some anti-cancer uh, potential as well because it's a natural anti-inflammatory. So that might be one that you'd like to to try. But generally, I think if you if you just go with the diet um, and try and get all of those plant-fighting chemicals in in with the diet because we still don't really understand how they all work and they work in conjunction. So taking one in high amounts, we'll say resveratrol now, is a, a one that you'll get in all the purple veg and the red veg. This has been shown to be an anti-cancer agent and they think it's why in France they have less cancer even though they smoke more because they drink it in their red wine. But we don't know the other chemicals that are in the red wine that might be helpful as well. So I think you can't, you, you have to get the diet right rather than being relying on the yeah. supplements. Okay, and a listener question, advice please from uh, Annalise on having low vitamin B12. Could Annalise advise what food to eat to improve it? And uh, any understanding as to why I would be low in vitamin B12 as I eat a good diet? Thank you. Yeah, so typically B12 comes from animal sources. So mostly vegetarians and vegans will find that they're deficient in B12 because they're not getting enough in their dietary sources. So if you eat meat a couple of times a week and chicken and fish, you shouldn't really be deficient. If you are, it could be that you're not absorbing. And the reason that you mightn't be absorbing, there's two. One of them is a genetic autoimmune disorder where you don't produce the intrinsic factor Intrinsic factor is a chemical we produce in our stomachs when we release stomach acid and it latches onto the B12 and we can absorb the B12 as a result of the intrinsic factor latching onto it. So if you have low stomach acid, if you're on an antacid um, or if you're on an exium, that'll prevent the stomach acid from instigating the release of intrinsic factor. So that will make you B12 deficient or perhaps from a genetic reason, the, the cells are not producing enough intrinsic factor. So they would be the two main reasons. So in terms of the foods, eating red meat or chicken or fish will give you B12. If not, I'd advise you take a supplement. And some of the best ones are the ones that are absorbed in the mouth because if you're not producing intrinsic factor or if your stomach acid is low because you have to be on an acid blocker, then you're not going to absorb even if you take a supplement at high amounts. So you can buy a spray that you spray onto the inside of your cheek or you can get nuggets that you crunch and most of those would be absorbed within the mouth and they'll bring up your B12 fairly quickly. Okay, and finally before we go, I saw in the papers today that the something you've mentioned on this programme before, the and Health Stores Ireland are launching a campaign aimed at trying to prevent the imposition of the high rate of VAT on all the food supplements. So collectively everybody's getting together. Absolutely, and Good. I think if we do get together we can prevent it, Patricia, and I was very angry actually to hear Leo Varadkar calling it snake oil. Oh. Um, in the doyle there during the week but of course he comes from a medical background so I suppose he's very pro the drugs and pro the pharma but you know um, I have to say that you know I mean definitely I, some of them will have a placebo effect 
some of the supplements that you take. But actually, I see time and time again people coming in that are on multiple medications and really it's a simple, natural um, supplement that can help them. You know, it's much better to take a proactive approach to preventing arthritis than having to take heavy-duty major painkillers that wreck your liver um, to, you know, if you don't take it preventatively. So I do think that we should be allowed to take all of this natural medicine proactively and Absolutely. it shouldn't be penalised with the Absolutely, but you see there's, there's no money in prevention, all the money's in the cures, unfortunately. Exactly. unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> Annalise, have a great week, we'll talk Thank next Monday. Patricia. Thanks for that, that's Annalise Drussell, the Health Hub, Times Square in Ballincollig and lots and lots and lots of people uh, just to relay the fears of the person who rang in about the low-flying plane over Ballyhay, everybody is saying that definitely is Ordinance Survey because they're in the area at the moment, that's why it's flying so low. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with us for the afternoon and I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 on the Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103